It's good to be here this morning. We appreciate everyone's presence here. If you're visiting with us, we are glad to uh, see you here with us. Uh, I know we've got uh, uh, at least one uh, newborn with us. It's good to see uh, see Abraham here this morning, and um, good to see everyone here. Um, this morning, one of the subject matter that I've, or the, the title that I've given to the subject matter that we'll be studying this morning is being the person that feels irreplaceable. And the reason I, I kind of emphasize the words feels, and we'll talk about this later, really none of us are irreplaceable, but you know, some, sometimes people feel irreplaceable to us. And what brought this to mind, I was thinking about some of the the brothers and sisters that we've lost over the last 15 or 20 years. And sometimes we think about individuals, we think about members of the body of Christ or think about family members and think, you know, that person just feels irreplaceable. It feels like that, um, that there's a void missing. And what I want to talk about this morning is I want to encourage you to be that person that feels, feels irreplaceable to, to others. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we studied this. Don't get worried if you were here a couple of Sunday nights ago. This isn't going to be a complete repeat, but I'm going to go back to what we studied recently in the book of Acts, and I want to reread this, this incident here in the book of Acts. And this deals with the, the apostle Peter and his journeys. And it says, now there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. So we have the relation here of this story about the Apostle Peter, about how he resurrected this, this woman who was a member of the body of Christ, a sister by the name of, of Tabitha. Now, in the putting ourselves back in kind of the first century world today, if we want clothing, it's pretty easy for us. Clothing is mass produced, most of it overseas. We can go to someplace like Walmart and we could probably buy for 50 or a hundred dollars, we could probably buy ourselves a pretty full uh, wardrobe of, of clothes. Clothing is, is at least in, unless you're buying after the, going after the designer clothing, clothing is generally pretty cheap and easy to to obtain. But in this day and time, most clothing was, was made by hand. There wasn't mass production of clothing. And so this woman, Tabitha, had this talent that she had, which she was a, a good seamstress. And she had made uh, clothing for many of the, the widows there of the congregation. And they were very broken up about the loss of this sister because she was someone that felt 
irreplaceable to them. But we see here Peter coming and resurrecting this, this woman, and it's a, a touching story on, on several accounts. It's touching when we think about um, what Peter did here with him resurrecting this woman to life. It's touching when we um, think about the, uh, the, the way that these, these sisters here cared for their sister that they had lost. And it's also touching when we think about the, the love and labor that Tabitha put in for, for other members of the body of Christ. She was someone that felt irreplaceable. In Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, it talks about using the, the abilities and talents that we have. Paul writes, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or on he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he giveth, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. This talks about us having as members of the body of Christ how we have a diversity of gifts to serve the body. And these are gifts from God. These aren't gifts that we have because we're, um, we're, there's something that we have that we have, and we may have done some work to help cultivate it, but ultimately these things that we have, these gifts, these talents are something that, that comes from, from God. It talks about how that We've been dealt these, these different uh, gifts according to the, to the measure of faith. And we're encouraged, to, it's in, we're encouraged to use these gifts. Just as Tabitha had this particular gift, she was using it to, to help others and to serve the, the body of Christ. You know, when I think about these things, I ask the question, how will I be remembered? We want to look at another uh, incident here. This is in the, the ministry of Jesus. This is found in Matthew chapter 26. And we've just exerted part of it here. But what had happened is this lady had come with this, this very expensive perfume. And once again, perfume in this day and time was something that was very valuable. It was something that was expensive to, uh, to obtain and to get. But this woman came and anointed Jesus with this perfume and there was some grumbling amongst many of his disciples saying, hey, why is this woman wasting this expensive perfume? But Jesus here says in, in Matthew 26 and 10, it says, when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me, for you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also, there shall also, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for her a memorial of her. It says here what this woman did, and what she did was a, was a very simple act, but it showed a great devotion on her part because it was something that cost her a great price. She had anointed Jesus with this 
perfume. And Jesus says, this is going to be a memorial for her. Wherever the gospel goes, wherever the gospel is preached, people are going to hear about this. Now, we don't even know the, the name of this woman that, that did this. We're not certain who this woman is. There's some uh, different uh, thoughts about perhaps what our identity was, but we're not given the name of this woman, but Jesus says this act, what this woman did is going to be told wherever the gospel is preached. And so this is the memorial that this woman has. And when I think about my, myself and think about my life, I think about how will I be remembered? And you know, all of us are going to be remembered in some ways. A lot of the time we have a funeral for someone that's passed and we talk about that person. And that's a lot of the times that bothers us a little bit. It's a little bit of a disturbing thought. But I'm going to I want to talk about my funeral today. You know, what if someone would what would someone say at my funeral? And this we're going to get the honest preacher at my funeral. So we're you know, what would they say about me? Well, they might say Curtis was a great brother and friend, except when he was really busy at work. You know, he was a great brother and friend, but when things got hot and, and busy at work, he, he, he was kind of missing on us there. But when he, you know, he was a great brother and friend, except when he was really busy at work. Or he was busy with his kids' activities. There were important things going on with his children, and children are, are blessing, and they're a great blessing from God. But we can get consumed with what's going on with our kids. Would they, they say about me, Curtis was a great brother and friend, except when, you know, he, he had his kids' activities going on. Curtis was a great brother and friend, except when he was stressed out and tired. You know, he was a great brother, but when he was under a lot of stress or when he was tired, you didn't want to be within 50 yards of him because he was so, was so, was so grouchy and so um, um, difficult to be around. Curtis was a great brother and friend, except when things weren't going his way. Unfortunately, sometimes things in life just don't go our way. And am I a person that was difficult to be around when things just weren't kind of working out in my life the way I wanted them to work? It, work? Or lastly, those that, that, you, that know me well know that I love to go fishing. Curtis was a great brother and friend, except when the fish were biting. I mean, you want to see me disappear if, if Gary says, hey, the fish are biting at my house. I'll be down there at Gary's house. I'll be where the, where the fish are biting at. So would they say Curtis was a great brother and friend except when the fish were biting? And then, you know, he was, he was, he was busy doing what he wanted to do. And he was, was busy uh, with, with those things that, uh, that he enjoyed. And for some of us, it may not be fishing. I know, I know my son is, not, is not, a, not an avid fisherman. So for him, it's probably not going to be fishing. It might be the weight room or something else that's calling him. But all of us have those things in life that we want to do that are important to us that, uh, that, that call, uh, call to us. And so how will we be, we be remembered? How, what will our memorial be? The memorial that this lady had was that she loved Jesus and she made a great sacrifice for Jesus. How will, be, how will be, we be remembered? So what I want to talk about in the remaining time of our study this morning is how can I see me replaceable to my brothers and sisters in Christ? I think this is something that we should all aspire to is to be one of those people that that provides something to to our brothers and sisters that that just feels irreplaceable. So how can we do that? 
Well, the first thing that we need to do is decide to be all in for Christ. And some of you will recognize this statement. This was our, our brother Justin, was, which was one of the brothers that we lost uh, after he was sick. He would talk about how we needed to be all in for Christ. And I know Jim Hayes and some others have, have, have picked up and, and used this term also about being all in for Christ. And this means com being completely dedicated. You know, over in the book of Joshua, Joshua was the prophet of God that led the Israelites after Moses died. And it, this was getting close to the end of Joshua's life, and he was talking to the people, and he's encouraging them. But he makes a statement here. Joshua had a realization that he couldn't control and dictate what the people of Israel did, that it was up to, up to them. But he says... In, in Joshua 24 and 15, he says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This was Joshua's resolution, and we don't, for the most part in our nation, we don't have the, the type of idols today like it's talking about here, but we there's plenty of things you can serve in this life. If you want to find something to serve and center your life around in this country, there's, there's tens of thousands of things that you can find to, to serve and worship and make the, the center of your life. But Joshua here speaks boldly to the people and he says, you know, you make the decision about who you're going to serve, about what gods are going to uh, dictate and control your life. But he says, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord Jehovah. He makes a, <clears throat> a very bold proclamation for us. And if we want to be someone that's, uh, that people think about as being irreplaceable, we need to... We need to decide to be all in for Christ, to have this attitude of Joshua that I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord's service. Something else that, that, that we need to do or that I would need to do if I want to be someone that, that feels irreplaceable is that is to set my priorities in order. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, Jesus here says, take, Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So Jesus here is talking about our priorities in life. And, you know, we all have these worries. We all have these concerns about, uh, in our terminology today, paying the bills. You know, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to put food on the table? How, is my, how am I and my family going to have the things that we need on, of a physical nature to get through this life? But Jesus here says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we need to put God's kingdom first. And this is something easy to say, but it's, it can be difficult to do in practice saying, hey, I, I realize there's important things. I realize I have responsibilities. I realize I need to provide for my 
family and, 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 and do these types of things, but I need to put God's kingdom first. But we have this reassurance from God and from Jesus Christ. He says that if you'll put my kingdom first, he says that these other things that you have are going to be at, these other things that you're seeking are going to be added unto you. And this isn't some teach a health and wealth doctrine that, you know, if you just serve Jesus, that he's going to make you rich and you're going to have the biggest house on the block and you're going to have the fastest car on the block. And this isn't what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying that you're going to be, if you'll see God's kingdom first, that you're going to be rich beyond all belief. But he's saying you're going to have the things that you need if you'll, you'll seek the kingdom of God first. You know, if we want to be someone that, that, that's irreplaceable unto others, we need to value others' needs, or I need to value others' needs more than my own. And this is something else that's, that's difficult to do. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even the death, even unto the death of the cross. So we're told here that we need to, to esteem others better than ourselves. Well, what does that mean? It says we need to set others above ourselves. So we need to think more about others than we do about our own personal needs. It says, look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. Now, this isn't talking about being a busybody, but what this is talking about is not just being cons concerned about what's going on with us and what's going on in our own life, but what's going on with other people, what other people's, what our brothers and sisters' needs are you. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This was the mindset of Christ Jesus. This isn't the mindset, mindset of the world the world says, look out for yourself, put yourself first. But the mindset of Christ Jesus was to, was to, to, to esteem or, or place others in a, uh, a place of honor above ourselves and not just to be concerned about our own things in our own lives, but be concerned about the things in the, the lives of, of others, to, to value other needs more than our, than our own. You know, something else that I need to do if I want to, uh, to feel irreplaceable to others is to keep my emotions under control. And this is something else that can be tricky for us. You know, we all have emotions. We all have feelings. We all have things that, that tug at us and tug at our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Edifying means building up others, not tearing them down, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. 
So there's a lot in these few short verses, but it talks about how we corrupt things shouldn't come out of our mouth. Bad things shouldn't come out of our mouth, but things that help edify or build up others. That we need to get rid of bitterness and wrath and anger and, and clamor and evil speaking. But it says, he's, Paul says in verse 32, he says, And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, it's easy to allow ourselves and to allow our hearts to become hardened to, to this world and become hardened towards others and even become hardened toward our brothers and sisters. But we're told to be kind one to another. We're, we're told to be tenderhearted. We're told to be forgiving, to have a spirit and a heart of forgiveness within us. It says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, we've been forgiven a great debt of God, by God. We're not going to uh, look at the parable this morning, but there's a parable about a master that has forgiven his servant of an enormous debt. And this man is forgiven and he's happy, but then he goes out and he finds a fellow servant who owes him a small amount of money and he grabs a hold of the guy's collar and tells him, you pay me every penny you owe me. Well, when, you know, when we're not willing to forgive people, we're like that servant who's been forgiven a great debt by the master, but then we're holding a small debt that someone else may owe us. We're holding a small debt against them. But we're told here that we need to be forgiving even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, something else that I need to do if I want to be that, that person that feels irreplaceable, and that is to look for ways to encourage my brethren. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. This is uh, from the NIV version. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This talks about being an encouragement to one another. You know, we all need encouragement in this life. It's easy to get beat down and broken down and discouraged by this life, by this life and by the things that we deal with in this life. But Paul here says that we need to consider about how we may spur one another to love and good works, how we can encourage one another to, to do good things. It says not giving up meeting together. The King James says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. This is talking about assembling as a body of believers, about how this is important. It's an important part of this encouragement that we provide to one another. When we're not in the assembly, we miss out and that we're not able to encourage others, and we also miss out on the encouragement that we need and the, the building up that we need to walk the, the Christian walk. So I need to, to look for ways to encourage my brethren. You know, something else that I need to do if I want to, to feel irreplaceable, and that's to show love and hospitality towards my brethren. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, this here is taken from the NIV. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality one to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, let they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So this talks here about the importance of loving the brethren, of being hospitable, of being willing to, to offer our homes and offer ourselves and offer our lives to others. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You know, we've all got gifts. We've all got talents. There's a lot of ways we can use them. And your talents and your abilities may not be the same as mine. You know, we can take what we've got and we can use it to serve ourselves and use it to uh, to, to make money and to, to do other things. And, and you know, God has, has given us abilities to 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 serve ourselves and to support ourselves. But, you know, ultimately the, the value of these gifts isn't just using them for ourselves and for our own benefit, but it's using them to help benefit others. And so we need to, to, to show love and hospitality for our brethren. The last thing that I have here, and some of these things we talked about are kind of easy to say, but they're harder to do in practice, but this is actually one that if we'll do it can be very easy for us, and that's to pray for my brethren in the progress of the gospel. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not the faith. Paul asked his brethren that they would pray for him. And you know, this is kind of humbling. The, the Apostle Paul is someone that we think of, and, and he is kind of an iconic figure in the New Testament, someone that was a great preacher, someone that was a great writer, someone that was a great person that, that cared about people and cared about their souls. But you know, Paul realized that he needed help from his brethren. He says, finally, brethren, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. Paul solicited the prayers of his brethren, and we need to we need to pray for one another. I need to pray for my brethren, and I need your your prayers too. No matter who we are, no matter what talents or abilities or whatever we possess, no matter how rich or how poor we are, we need the prayers of our, our brethren. We need our brethren praying for us. So these are some things that and there's other things we could probably talk about too, some things that, that we need to do and that we can do if we want to feel irreplaceable. But you know, in conclusion, I want to say, and I've been saying feel irreplaceable, ultimately none of us should or, or want to be irreplaceable. Ultimately, we don't want to be irreplaceable, but we want to help train our replacements. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, it says... And these things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, this is Paul, an, an older um, a, apostle writing to a younger man that's an evangelist. And he says, and these things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know, Paul was someone that had great abilities. He was someone that was a, a, a great leader within the church, but Paul here said, reminds Timothy, he says, you know, I've taught you these things. I've, I've shown you these, the, the principles of the, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. 
He says, but he says, you need to take these things and you need to take these things and give them to others. You know, whatever abilities that, that we might have, we need to help uh, others cultivate abilities that, that they have. We need to, need to help teach one another. It's, it's, it's great to be able to look back on someone and feel like, you know, that person was irreplaceable. And I guess in a selfish way, I'd like to be that person that people look back and say, Curtis was irreplaceable. But, you know, that's really not what I want and what, what I should want. Really what I should want is for there to be um, to be those that are are doing God's will, that are doing God's work, and I I want to be unneeded. I don't want people to to think, boy, I, I wish we had Curtis or I wish we had brother and sister so and so here because they could do this or or they could take care of that. But we want we want. Uh, and we, we feel confident that in the future of this congregation that there will be people here to do that. But we want people that are, that, are, that, are, that are eager, that are ready to do God's will. And we want, if we're someone that, that's currently active and that's doing God's will, we want to help encourage others and to help cultivate their talents and cultivate their um, enthusiasm and, and to, to pave a way for the, the future. And so... We need to um, think about ourselves, think about what we're doing today, think about the, the service that we're providing to others and to the church, but also be thinking about the future, thinking about those that are, that are younger, either in age or in the faith, about how we can cultivate, how we can encourage them, how, can, how we can, uh, can build them up, because ultimately the, the only person in in the God's kingdom that is irreplaceable is Christ Jesus. He's the one that's, that's irreplaceable. We've got Christ Jesus. He's there for us. And we have, if we'll look to him and serve him, we'll have the things that we need within the body of Christ. And we'll have the, uh, the direction that we need. We'll have the faith that we need. We'll have the love that we need. We need we'll have the hope that we need. And we can look to these things in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we always extend two invitations. We talked about praying for one another, about how we always need to be praying for, for one another inside and outside the assembly. And we have this opportunity. If you would like to solicit prayers of the church for any reason, we have this opportunity that you can come forward and request those prayers. We also have the opportunity to uh, for any that are subject to that call, the call of Jesus Christ to be baptized to the remissions of sins, we have that invitation today too. The, we have, going back to the words of Joshua, Joshua's resolution that me and my house will serve the Lord. And if you want to make that statement through your life and through your submission to baptism in the name of, of Jesus Christ, we also offer that invitation today as we sing the song that's been selected.